What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Gold Diggers podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrero. She is Michelle Majuk. What's up, Michelle? Hey, hey. Another week. Another uh, week that's gone by with Jimmy Garoppolo still on the mm. roster. I said I didn't want to bring up his name, and it came out in the first five seconds. There, totally there your are. fault. I was ready to go. <laughs> I was ready to do it and not go there. So you have no one to blame but yourself. I just can't believe that we've got a whole nother week and we have like, we don't even really have much to talk about because Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the roster and we're all sick about talking about that. And they're not signing anybody. I mean, our, you know, you, you seemed excited today to talk about Hyder. Like, woo, 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 we signed this player that's been on five different teams in five different years. Let's go. Yes, because I know the reason that 49er fans should be excited about Kerry Hyder. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into the Debo Samuel contract question. There's a lot to talk about today, Michelle. How dare you tell people that? Come on now. I would love for the conversation to be around 49ers players, you know, getting signed and getting extensions, but... I guess that's just not the off season we're in right now. Well, we'll get to that. Uh, before we get started, though, I want to remind everybody, please rate, review, follow the Niners Nation podcast network. We always say if you take the time to leave a review, we will read it on the show. And if you remember last week, Michelle, we heard from Ty Meredith, who gave us a one star review and said that he laughs himself to sleep every night, wondering how we got a 49ers podcast. Well, our friend Ty has checked back in. This week with a five-star review comment. Sorry for that measly one-star review, but John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy have drove me crazy. Anyway, I love this podcast now. Keep up the good work. Okay. Well, that's nice. We all, you know, we all have those moments where we're just annoyed and bitter. And, you know, if someone says the wrong thing, you just, I hate you. I mean, it, it happens. Look, look, look at you stats. Look what has happened during this off season. You have become the most bitter man in the world about the Steelers signing Mitch Trubisky, something that has nothing to do with you and does not impact you in the slightest. And you're like out there, like waiting for tweets to go down about him. You were waiting for him to sign his contract. And somehow you saw the Steelers tweet I and mean, maybe you follow them, but you saw it within seconds. Cause you responded within like one minute. So, like, it's made you insanely bitter. It can make anyone bitter. I resent the implication that you think I'm bitter because of the Jimmy Garoppolo, Mitch oh, Trubisky it's, situation. It is. it is. I'm always bitter. Uh, how about this review from Wreck-It Steve, five stars, enjoyable Niner podcast. Hope y'all, so he must be a fan of yours because he dropped a y'all in there, Michelle. Hope y'all doing well. First review I have left on a podcast just to give you all props. I enjoy that they are honest, good, and bad about the Niners. I like how you guys pay attention to other teams' moves and give perspective on how they can affect the Niners. Rob, I relate to you as I feel the pain of the Niners being so close to a Super Bowl at the same time feel frustrated because they can push an extra gear in being aggressive for impact players, but they don't. Keep up the good work, Wreck-It Steve. Thank you, Wreck-It Steve. Satisfied customers today, Michelle. I like it. Bring them on. By the way. You know what I didn't mention last week? Shame on me, probably because you were yelling at me about Mitchell Trubisky. Do you know that last week was our one-year anniversary of doing a show together? Oh, and we didn't celebrate that? We should have waited for you to take eat your mayo for that one year. Or we should have had champagne ready to go. I am just, any excuse that yeah. we can find for me to have <laughs> champagne on this podcast, I can't believe we missed it. Yeah, that was a bad job by us. You know, you talk about me eating the mayonnaise. I wasn't going to bring this up until later, but since you went there, let's go. 
Juju Smith-Schuster signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. He was one of the people on your 49ers offseason plan list. That is now off the board. You have to get two things right on your list to avoid eating the mayonnaise yourself. And so far, you are over, Michelle. Oh, yeah. I don't think any of those things are happening. Not really my fault. I mean, they haven't done anything. So I guess that should have been my game plan coming in to that podcast. So we went through how we can make the 49ers Super Bowl um, material in 2022 with Trey Lance. My podcast should have just been said, you know, sign people, people really low on free agent lists that nobody else wants and don't do anything else. That's the game plan. And then I would have been correct. And I wouldn't have had to eat mayo. I like oh, and you... keep Jimmy Garoppolo. We can't forget that. <laughs> right. The most critical piece. I like yeah. how you keep saying it's not my fault. As if it was my fault that the 49ers didn't win the proper amount of games. And I had to eat the mayo. The mayo. The mayo. Oh, yeah. You were uh, you were off there. You know, that Come on. I, I wasn't so much as off as it's just they didn't do anything. So Look, it's not like you didn't have to eat mayo because the 49ers didn't play a season. Right. It's not like they they missed games or they didn't play a season. That's why they didn't win 10 games like they or That's why you didn't get the correct games uh, right about which opponents they were beating. No, that's not it. They actually played them. And you had a chance to win. I don't even have a chance to win. They're not doing anything. Don't try and justify it. Just sit there and well, you're wrong. At least and don't be have wrong. to do it until after the draft because some of them had draft picks, which, you know, it did involve them getting an early pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. So without that, because they're not getting that, I, there's no chance for me to win, but I'm going to drag that out until after the draft for sure. Okay, that's fine. That's good. We'll need content for after the draft. So I'm fine with that. All right. Let's get into this Carrie Hyder thing because you're quick to poo-poo. You're a poo-pooer. And I think that this is a good value signing for the 49ers. And I know it's weird, but the reason is because the 49ers have Chris Kasarek as their defensive line coach. And I don't know what it is, but when Carrie Hyder is with Chris Kasarek, he's good. In 2016, Hyder's with the Lions. Kasarek is there and he had eight sacks. Great. 2020, Hyder goes to San Francisco with Chris Kasarek. Eight and a half sacks led the team. Great. Hyder goes to Seattle last year. One and a half sacks, no Chris Kasarek. So I don't know what the secret sauce is or what's going on there, but for some reason, when he's with Kasarek, he turns into a serviceable lineman, and the, line, the Niners are paying him less than a million dollars guaranteed this year. I think it's a good deal. Oh, it's a good signing. I have nothing wrong with it. I just think he and Arden Key are like, they just cancel each other out, right? So since you're not going to have Key back, likely you sign Hyder. I, I think that's fine, but it doesn't make your team any better. Like you're not going to be better next year because of Hyder. You'll kind of stay the same, which is fine. Like you need to fill these gaps. And even if they start signing guys like Hyder to fill these gaps, then okay, like figure out bodies. Because right now there's not a body at safety. The offensive line is the scariest thing heading into a season with a brand new quarterback. But yeah, so Hyder, maybe I do think he'll perform well in San Francisco and playing next to Nick Bosa. Like that's going to help him. But there is a reason this dude is now entering, you know, fifth different team in five years. It's because nobody else wants him. But, you know, if he can work out in the 49ers and who cares if nobody else wants him. So that's what you're touching on is sort of the bigger picture question here. And I uh, wrote something for Niners Nation actually just this morning, and it was a poll 
And it was, have the 49ers done enough in free agency? And I listed, not counting the, the guys that they've re-signed that were already on the team last year, just the new additions. And you've got Charverius Ward, Ray-Ray McLeod, George Odom, Hassan Ridgeway, Oren Burks, and Kerry Hyder. That is not exactly the most impressive list, Michelle. And I asked the question, have the Niners done enough in free agency? And 66% of people that voted said, no, the 49ers need to be more aggressive. And I completely agree. Yeah, and so I know you mentioned that Alex Mack was considering retirement. He had to have given his decision by now, right? Like, you can't just not tell the team during free agency if you're going to come back or not. I don't know what he's actually told the team. I know that John Lynch has said that he's leaning coming back. Like they seem to think he's coming back, but they also said the same thing about Joe Staley and then immediately traded for Trent Williams. So we don't really know. I imagine the Niners don't want to tip their hand before the draft because if Mac is retiring, they clearly center skyrockets up their uh, list of draft needs. You really want to go into the draft. You don't have a pick till late second round and have to, Hey, you have all these other holes and you want to like have to find a starting center in the middle of the draft. If either way, Alex Mack is getting old, right? He might have one year left if he's considered yep. retirement. So go like JC Treader is just sitting out there. Who's probably even an upgrade to Alex Mack. Treader was a very solid center for the Browns. He's been a solid center his entire career. He's, out there in age two, but he's 31 instead of what's Alec Mack, like 36. 36. Yeah. So you save five years there. Maybe this is one of those situations where it does suck that neither of them have ever played guard in their career. So you came and like push them out. Like, I don't know if they would be open to doing that, but I, I think either way you need to find a replacement because next year you don't want to be, have zero options at center. And the thing is, in the Kyle Shanahan system, center is incredibly important on the offensive line. They call out the protections. They help set up everything in the run game also. Like, it's it's not, you know, maybe other systems where you can just plug a guy in there. They got to know what they're doing. They got to be on point. So it's a, it's a big need for the 49ers. But if I can go back to the Kerry Hyder thing, you know, and in, take a bigger picture in terms of their whole free agent situation, the frustrating thing for me is like for a couple of years now, we've been saying, oh, they got to get a pass rusher opposite Nick Bosa. Like their original plan was like D Ford, Nick Bosa. And that's, and they were, when they were together, they were unstoppable. That's, and they got to the Super Bowl. Like that is a key plan. That is a good full measure, if, if you understand what I'm saying. Because since then, with Ebucam and, you know, now Kerry Hyder and maybe like Charles Amenahu, they've all gone half measures. Like, no, I wanted to see the Niners go out, bring in Chandler Jones this year. And then you have Chandler Jones on one side, you have Nick Bosa on the other, and holy hell, offenses are in trouble. But they keep trying to plug it with this guy who maybe he'll be better because he's going opposite Nick Bosa, but he's not really like a bona fide stud pass rusher in his own right. And that's what I really thought they should have done this offseason is bring in Chandler Jones, Von Miller, someone like that to really put their pass rush in a position to succeed. Yeah, I mean, Melvin Ingram's still sitting out there. That is someone they could sign. He did really well for the Chiefs. He was he looked good for the Steelers, too. He just didn't play as many snaps as he wanted to play. So he wanted out. Goes to the Chiefs. Like he did help their defense. I mean, they were struggling in the beginning of the year. I don't think it was all him that changed it, but he did make a difference for them. I think he would be a big upgrade over anyone else there next to Bosa as well. Like there's still options out there to sign. 
it's just they they got to get a move on it like i understand there's a second wave and the third wave and you're you know you're going to get cheaper deals that way but now you're kind of at the point where it's like okay well don't let them all get taken right like come on get your foot on the gas a little bit that's it show some urgency show something here like do you get that you're in this window you know you couldn't move on from jimmy garoppolo last year because you were in a super bowl window okay but then act like it now, especially when you do have a quarterback on a rookie contract. So I, I don't know, maybe they'll add a couple more pieces. Hopefully they will. Uh, but I've been frustrated by it this off season. Like, I, do you really not think that signing Juju for $3 million would have helped this team? Like it would have helped Trey Lance have someone that he could trust on first downs other than just Debo. If he, like, it would have opened up the offense more too. He's very versatile, $3 million. And I, promise you he would have picked california over kansas city he's a california dude like it's just really three million dollars you didn't want to pay that you you'd rather play juan jennings more than juju like i don't i don't get it and i know they've talked about like oh ray ray mcleod's gonna do something no like come on man like ray ray mcleod you're paying more for ray 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 than you would have if you went and signed an actual wide receiver in juju i just yeah, I don't. That's why I, I just think it's weird the way they've approached this offseason. It just seems very strange to me that they haven't been more aggressive. And I, I continue to say that just going into the draft, expecting you're going to fill all these holes is a terrible, terrible strategy. Nobody has a draft where they fill four or five holes in one draft class. That'd be like the best draft class of all time. Yeah. And and the thing is, they don't even have a first rounder and they don't even have an right. early second rounder. So it's like you're really counting on your draft strategies to just hit big on some late draft picks. And it, it, it seems unlikely, um, you know, a lot of the interior offensive linemen are already gobbled up in free agency. I said to go get Bradley Bozeman. He now signed with the Panthers. Like there's not a lot of good options out there. I still think they could sign a guy like Riley Reef uh, from Cincinnati. He was having a nice season last year before injury. He's, again, not a great tackle, but a solid one. That's really all you need. In, ca- in case Mike McGlinchey is not ready to go for the season, you're not absolutely screwed there either. You have depth. Um, they have. It's not even like the offensive line is like, okay, who's going to be the starters? You can put bodies there. Like You have enough bodies. I get it, right? Um, if if Banks can, if Aaron Banks can start and be better, like you have bodies that you can start if Mike McGlinchey is ready to go, but you have zero depth. Zero depth. So you're counting on everyone staying healthy and you're counting on everyone improving as well. And that's just a really, really risky strategy. Yeah. What do they always say? Hope for the best plan for the worst. Well, the 49ers need to start planning like Aaron Banks is going to be a bust and Mike McGlinchey is not going to be able to come back at least at the start of the season. There's no backup right tackle right now either because Tom Compton went to Denver. That's what I'm saying. It's like, go get Riley Reef. And, you know, obviously Mike McGlinchey would probably still start over him either way, but you have depth. Like, I don't think Reef is going to be like upset if he doesn't get playing time immediately, but you have some depth if anyone gets hurt. Like, God forbid even Trent Williams got hurt or something. Like, you need tackles. You need swing tackles that are able to come off the bench. And right now they have none. So, again, would you really want a second, third, or fourth, or fifth, or sixth rounder that you draft this year having to come into a game and play tackle immediately? It's not going to be pretty. And I so, mean, you only have one second round pick, right? So we can't fill all these holes with the one high pick you have. 
Yeah, they have 61, and I think they have three picks in the third. So they've, I mean, they've got a lot of picks, but again, these are late round picks. The odds that you hit on these guys, like you can't just go in being like, oh, we always pick good guys in the later rounds. We'll find people. Like that's absurd. That's the yeah. worst strategy I can think of for building a team. So we'll see what the Niners do, but uh, it, I get the feeling from most fans of frustration with the team. I know that there have been people, I, our own Akash Anavarathan has tried to to say that the Niners wouldn't have spent the extra money from Jimmy Garoppolo in free agency anyway. He might be right about that, by the way, but I don't think that makes it okay. Like, I still think that they should be criticized for that. What do you um, mean they wouldn't have spent, they would just like hang on to cap space? He thinks that they would have hung on to it and have used most of it on the, the uh, Debo restructure or uh, extension rather and the Bosa extension. But here's the thing with those. If you structure them properly, they save you cap room in the first yeah. year anyway. So I I don't know. I don't get it. But I think that most fans are frustrated. It, it, good to hear you kind of agree because, again, I trust your opinion. You're outside the bubble. So when our opinions match up, I feel like, okay, that might be onto something here. And so we'll see if the Niners uh, can maybe add a couple pieces here that change our minds. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, speaking of the Debo Samuel extension, that's obviously been a big topic this offseason. I posed the question to you about that in our private chat that we're going to get to just in one minute. Back here on the Gold Diggers podcast. Okay, Michelle, during our chat this week about what we were going to talk about on the show, I asked you a very important question because Debo Samuel supposedly is going to be extended this summer. John Lynch has said that the contracts are already budgeted for. Usually when the 49ers do extensions, they come out in July, just before training camp. That's what happened with Fred Warner. That's what happened with George Kittle. So we'll see if that happens with Debo. But the question I posed to you was, which wide receiver from the 2019 draft class would you be willing to pay a top-of-the-market deal to? Because that it was a damn good year for receivers in 2019. You had DK Metcalf. You had Terry McLaurin. You had, uh, who else am I forgetting? A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown. Marquise Brown. Deontay Johnson, my boy. Don't leave him out. Oh, I'm leaving him out. And by the way, Marquise Brown, give me a break. He's, uh, no. <laughs> I think he actually deserves, he's probably one guy that deserves a good chunk of money. Um, we'll talk about that. But let's talk about Devo first, right? Because he's going to get his pay with the 49ers as he deserves. And But I do think he's more valuable for the 49ers than he would be anywhere else. Because he Agreed. is the focal point of that offense and Kyle Shanahan knows how to get the best out of him. Uh, but I do think the 49ers need to pay up to to keep him. I, I do think he's extremely important to Shanahan and what he wants to do with the offense. To get the whole thing rolling. He gets people open. Amazing after the catch. And honestly, having those guys makes a big difference, right? You don't need a fantastic quarterback. Like you can have a Jimmy Garoppolo and you're still going to get the yards because he can create so much with himself. Um, I don't think he deserves Tyreek Hill money or Devontae Adams money. But he's probably going to get around twenty-five million a year. Like, if that's where he comes in, what are your thoughts? Twenty-five is probably like the highest I would want to go. I think uh, I agree. Like, he's not—he's not Tyree Kill. He's not Devontae Adams. Granted, he's a little earlier in his career than those guys, but I still don't—I still think they're better. This was my question. It's something that Levin Black and I talked about yesterday. I wrote about it on NinersNation.com. Does Debo have the same? impact on this offense with Trey Lance at quarterback as he did with Jimmy Garoppolo because Garoppolo's strength 
fit perfectly with Debo's strength. They were very complimentary. Garoppolo was better on short passes over the middle. That's perfect for Debo because he can catch the short pass. And that's when he really excels with the ball in his hands after the catch. He averaged, this is absurd, he averaged 10 yards after the catch last year, which is just incredible. It's Trey Lance, it's it's <laughs> it's ridiculous. Trey Lance's strengths are pushing the ball down the field, throwing the ball deep down the number or outside the numbers down the field. In order to take advantage of that, you need a guy that can run routes and get separation. That's not Debo Samuel's strength. So I just wonder if Debo can have as big of an impact in the offense with Trey Lance at quarterback as he did with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, and I don't I I know Trey Lance did that a lot in college, but you know, you can't just throw deep all the time. That's not going to work. So they're going to do play action. I think Debo is going to be plenty open short. They're going to hit him. He's going to still do his thing. Uh, you can use him in so many different situations in the backfield with Lance where defenders are going to have no idea who's going to touch that ball. Like you could have Mitchell back there, Debo, and then Lance could take it. Like you could do so many things. So I still think he's going to be like super valuable to this offense and you got to keep him. I will say one thing. I never think of Debo as having the dropsies or having any oh, issues yeah. with that. But uh, PFF has him at 26 drops in his career, most out of the 2019 class, with just 242 career targets, too. Like, everyone makes fun of Deontay Johnson for dropping the ball so much. He only has, well, not only, but 25 drops, one less drop than Debo, and nearly 200 more career targets. So it's like, uh, I don't know. I Watching Debo, I'm never like, oh, dude, you drop it a lot. I, I don't get that feeling, but I guess... Oh yeah. No, he he'll drop. He's good for like one a game. Sometimes I feel like now some of that is the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo uh, is not exactly on target with some of these throws, but Debo, he does drop them occasionally. I, yeah, he just does. And you, you just have to live with it because yeah. it's generally yeah, drops aren't a it. reason to not resign. Like, you know, those go up and down. It's not a re- reason to not resign him. But I, I do, like I said, I don't know if Debo goes on the market, if another team would pay him as much as the 49ers should, mm-hmm. but I, I don't see them letting him walk out. And with how the, I mean, MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling just got a three-year $30 million deal. And the dude has never reached 700 receiving yards in his career with Aaron Rodgers and having all the space in the world because he's playing across from uh, Devonte Adams. So if he's going to get 10 million a year, you at least have to double that for like at least at the very minimum, he's going to get 20 million. He's probably going to be asking for, yeah, I, I would expect him to get a $25 million deal. That's he's going to be right in that ballpark. Cause I'm sure his agent is just licking his chops, right? Devonte Adams and Tyree kill just got new deals. And that's what I wrote about too, for Niners nation. Like if you're John Lynch, you want to get this done because the other guys in that class are up for new deals too. Metcalf, Brown, like we talked about. So the longer you wait, the more expensive that contract for Debo is going to get. A hundred percent. And now out of this group that we're talking about, I'm interested to know which one would you pay the most for? And is there anyone other than Debo that you'd rather have on the 49ers? Uh, no, I, but I think that's probably my bias. Like I, I love Debo. He's yeah. just, he's awesome. The way he's he just trucks people. He's so versatile. Um, I, so I would pick him over anybody. I, I probably think that A.J. Brown is a better receiver, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll take Debo. The problem is, yeah, I mean, oh, that what a ridiculous wide receiver class. Terry McLaurin's not going to get a lot of love from people. He's really freaking good. If, if he had a better quarterback, I think we would be yeah. giving him a lot more love, too. Um, I think A.J. Brown 
by whatever he gets his extension will be right there with Tyreek Hill making 30 million a year. I think he's the most talented out of this group. He can literally just do everything great at separation, great at contested catches, great at going deep, great at taking something short all the way to the house. Like talk about yards after the catch. He's one of the best as well. He leads the 2019 class in yards per reception. He averages 16.3 yards per reception, which is pretty crazy. Leads the group in yards per outrun. Uh, he's on an offense, unfortunately, that you know goes through Derrick Henry. So they're not passing a ton. The only worry with him is staying healthy, right? Like that would be my biggest worry, giving him such a big contract as he has had trouble staying on the field. But if he was in an offense that threw the ball 600 times, this dude could put up Cooper cup numbers. Like I really think he's that talented just to have a monster, monster season. So if like the Steelers got anyone and paid anyone, it would be like, I would pick AJ Brown, but I still believe Debo is the best for the 49ers hands down. Yeah, you said A.J. averaged over 16 yards per catch. Well, Debo led the league last year in yards per catch at 18. So that tells you, you know, obviously A.J. Brown is ridiculously good. Um, This is my question, too, because, you know, we're talking about value of receivers with different quarterbacks. Obviously, D.K. had the benefit of playing with Russell Wilson for all these years. Now Russ is is gone. Russ's skill set, throwing the ball deep, was perfect for D.K. Metcalf because he could run past anybody. Now, I mean, it's Drew Locke right now for Seattle. So I know that Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are good, but what kind of a drop-off do you expect in their production with Drew freaking Locke? Drew Locke does have a big arm. That's about all you can say nice about the kid. I mean, he seems like a a fun, loving, goofy, you know, goofy young man. Yeah, he does the Buzz Lightyear celebration. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah, like he seems like a guy that you want to root for. It's just he's not a good quarterback like at all. It's going to be it's going to be rough for them. And I do, you know, I think I could see the Seahawks trading away Tyler Lockett. Or if they're in rebuild mode and you know they don't want to pay DK Metcalf, he's going to be asking for 25 to 28 million dollars a year. Like he's gonna get in that range because he's an insane human being. Like it's almost <laughs> impossible to be that human being as big as he is, as strong as he is, and be as fast as he is. Like that's a weapon. I mean, that any defender is going to be, it's going to be hard to block or to cover him and you have to focus on stopping him. So I I do think a lot of teams can use him, but you're right. He needs a quarterback that can hit him deep because that's what he's best at. I mean, he's not like this great route runner or anything like that. So Russ was his perfect quarterback. I think, you know, if the Packers were to go trade for DK, that would be huge. Um, but with Drew Locke, I'm not I'm not pumped about it. Well, that's what I have said. I said yesterday at 11, if I were Brian Gutekunst, the GM of the Packers, I'm calling John Lynch immediately. Hey, John, how are those talks with uh, with Debo Samuel going? Because, you know, we've got some extra picks here because of this Devontae Adams trade. And if because that's how the Tyreek Hill thing came about. Right. Like we had heard that that he was going to get a deal worked out with the Chiefs and it was going to be a more traditional deal and everything was good. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, no, turns out Tyreek now wants what Devontae Adams got. And the Chiefs said no. And then, bam, they literally called every single team in the NFL about trading for Tyreek Hill. The same exact thing could happen with Debo Samuel. They could be working on a deal. Maybe it doesn't go well. All of a sudden they get a call. And next thing you know, Debo Samuel is getting traded. That could definitely happen. So if I were the Packers, I'd be calling the Niners. Like you said, I'd be calling the Seahawks. 
Tyler Lockett would be great with the Packers. Absolutely yeah. great. I would definitely consider that if I was Green Bay. So, you know, things happen. And you can probably quickly. get Tyler Lockett for a second rounder. Like he's he's older. They're not going to cost a lot. And he's an exceptional deep, uh, deep receiver. So, like right behind Tyreek Hill and pretty much every uh deep statistic over the last few years. So he still has a couple years left in him. He's probably going to have his last couple years wasted if he's stuck with the Seahawks with no quarterback. So, yeah, I, I do think every team that's looking for a wide receiver right now should be calling up the Seahawks and seeing which one will you trade me? And if DK Metcalf is you know going to be absurdly expensive and then you're going to have to pay him, go get Tyler Lockett. Like if you're a team that's looking to win right now, Tyler Lockett is it's like it's so easy. Just go go get him if you're a win now team. And I am totally here for the strip down of the Seahawks. Just keep selling off those parts. I don't want them to have anybody left, Michelle. I want it to be like Drew Locke and I don't even know. Eskridge is one of their wide receivers, I think, right? One oh, of the rookies yeah. they just took. Yeah. Like, let go he was into like this. like 25 season. years old as a rookie. I don't, yep. I don't even know what That's what I want. <laughs> I want the Seahawks up on the center blocks with the car just totally stripped for parts. I, they can't lose enough people for me. As someone who has DK Metcalf on like every single one of her uh, dynasty fantasy football rosters, I would really like him to be traded like pretty much anywhere else <laughs> because Pete Carroll loves to run the ball and then it's Drew Locke. So both of those two things together just equal disaster. But you were making fun of Hollywood Brown, Marquise Brown, Ravens yes. wide receiver. And I, I love this guy. I think he's a super talented wide receiver. And that speed, I mean, the speed is right there with Tyree Kill. And he's open all of the time. The issue is he plays, like, he had 25% of the team's targets uh, over the last couple of years. Like, he is the main guy there. It's just they don't throw enough. They run all of the time. And then you have Lamar Jackson throwing to you. Good quarterback. Like, an elite quarterback. Not an elite passer. Like, he can pass the ball. But, you know, he... Many of the balls go over Marquise Brown's head. So I just, he's open all the time. And I think any offense would be thrilled to have that speedster that opens up every, for everybody, right? Like he gets Mark Andrews open and, you know, Rashad Bateman, Sammy Watkins didn't really do their thing, but he still gave them space to work. He gives a running, running game space to work. So I think he's going to get paid. I think if like, I, I don't think the Chiefs go fine. You know, I don't think they go pay for someone when they just didn't for Tyreek Hill. But if you plugged in Marquise Brown in that Tyreek Hill role with the Chiefs, I think he puts up 1,300 yards. I really do. I mean, he's putting up 1,000 yards in the Ravens offense. He's a very, very talented wide receiver, who I think is very disrespected just because of the offense he's in. How about the Ravens call up the Seahawks and get Tyler Lockett? Like, I've been saying they got to help out Lamar Jackson a little bit. Get him some what? Sammy Watkins What do you mean? They have Marquise Brown, first-round pick, who's – Really good. Like, I don't care what you say. He's a really good wide receiver. He has Mark Andrews, one of the best tight ends in the league. They just drafted Rashad Bateman in the first round last year. Like, what more do you want from him? They have J.K. Dobbins, who they drafted in the second round, who's a really good Well, yeah, good we haven't back. seen him because he got hurt. Yeah, well, we saw him his rookie year, and he looked really good. Like, come on. They have, a, a, like, a pretty solid offensive line together. He's Don't make excuses for Lamar Jackson. He's in a prime, prime spot where he's been playing with a great defense, too. Besides this last year, but he was barely playing anyways. Like, dude is dude is in an amazing spot for himself. I don't think so. I, when they get down to crunch time and he needs to complete like third and six and he needs a number one guy to go to, you're telling me it's a Marquise Brown? I'm not shaking in my Mark boot. Andrews. 
Mark Andrews is a tight end. Come on, get him a Tyler. He's Lockett. the most reliable for the middle target you could anyone would want. Like, who else would you want there for third and six? Uh, like, Mark Andrews is wide open over the middle every single time. I don't even know how defenses don't. It's like every single time this dude is open. <laughs> if Tyler Huntley can go out there and look like a really good starting quarterback with these weapons, they're good weapons. Like, you're in a good offense. I think they should do more. That's just me. Sure. And besides, I mean, I, they, they we get more wide receivers in the first round. Yeah. Then we get Tyler Lockett out of the NFC. Don't you see what I'm doing here? Michelle? I'm yeah. clearing the road for the 49ers. Can we you're... get Tyler Lockett to the Steelers or something? They could use another wide receiver. They should too. Like Tyler Lockett. I think we we've established. He should not be on the Seahawks to start the year. He's pretty much useless to them on the team. He's more useful getting draft picks back in return. I mean, if their plan is to just go in and draft a rookie, then yeah, they need to move on from Tyler Lockett because that means you're in full rebuild mode. By the time that rookie's ready to go and ready to compete, Tyler Lockett's going to be like 33, and then you didn't get anything for him. Now, if their plan is to go get Baker, then you should keep weapons there for him so he has a chance to succeed. Baker could throw the deep ball. like He can hit DK. He can hit Tyler Lockett. I'm not worried about that. But if their plan is to just go with a rookie, yeah, Tyler Lockett needs to be off the roster. Who's your favorite in the NFC West right now? You still making it the Rams? They lost a lot of pieces. Mm -hmm. It comes down to Matt Stafford versus Trey Lance. And I would trust Stafford more next year than Lance. Stafford did what he needed to do this year, clearly. But it's not like he blew everybody away. Like, he was... He had very, a few really close. bad weeks too in the yeah. middle of the season where it was like pick six after pick six after pick six. Even in the I do think he's games. a I think he's an overrated quarterback. Uh, I think he's good and he can elevate a team. Obviously, we saw that. Uh, I think like as a passer, he can make spectacular passes that you know only the top quarterbacks can make, but he makes a lot of boneheaded decisions as well. Right. I, I think the big thing with Trey Lance is we just haven't seen it yet, right? I have a hard time believing that a first year guy is going to bring a team deep into the playoffs but i mean we've patrick mahomes year one went deep so but that's pretty much i mean that's patrick mahomes right so is he that good i don't know we'll see but like stafford with the rams doesn't scare me the same way russ with the seahawks did like every time they played the seahawks i was like oh god when niners play the rams now i'm like yeah it's gonna be tough but they i could see them winning just because yeah. he does put the ball in harm's way so often. Well, you so. think with Russ is, you know, he can just win at any moment. Like he can, <laughs> it doesn't so like he could just, he's just going to destroy your heart that last second. Um, I, you know what? I don't miss whatsoever playing the Patriots every year with Tom Brady. I mean, mm -hmm. I just always knew going into that game, there was a 0% chance and it just sucked. It sucked so much. Some of those guys, man, they just, they just, it's almost like they're doing it on purpose, like just to give you hope. And then they just crush it right at the end. And it was just so, so infuriating. I was actually in at a Steelers game when they beat the Patriots um, on a, in a night game. And it was one of the best nights of my life. Honestly, <laughs> how sad is that? But like, just to beat Tom Brady, like when you guys beat Russell Wilson, was it not just such a good feeling? Like, Oh, we did it. I can barely remember that. When was that? Was that when Nick Mullins was the quarterback? They beat him once with Nick Mullins. No, the, the end, the game at the end of 2019 was that yeah. was extra sweet because it wasn't like the Niners threw a game winning touchdown with a second left. It was literally stopping Russ. Yeah. At the one inch line, I was an insane game. Clinch the number one seed. I was running around my living room, 
because I was my first impression of that play was he didn't get in. So I had the uh, initial freak out celebration run around the living room quietly, though, because my kids were sleeping. So I have to like (laughs) master the quiet celebration and then come back to the TV for the review sit through that. And then they, you know, they say the green law stopped them and then run around the house again, quietly. <laughs> well, at least they called it correctly. You didn't have to live through the time against the Patriots when, um, oh, who was that tight end? It wasn't Heath Miller. It was the other white dude. Uh, they said he dropped the ball. He, he was on his knee already. He went over the goal line. Yeah, yeah, and then the, yeah. when, when the ball hit the ground, it moved slightly. It moved slightly in his hands. And that was the one year where they had the really weird catch rule. It only lasted for one year but you needed complete control of it throughout the entire process, like for seconds after. And then uh, they called it back and the Patriots ended up winning. Yeah. And, and Mike Tomlin had lost. no, no plan for the play out of the review. I remember that. Cause I, it I was a hundred percent a touchdown. I mean, it was a touchdown. It's a touchdown in any other season, in any other season, <laughs> but that season, it was a touchdown. It was the most absurd thing ever. Uh, but yeah, that, that killed me. But when refs mess up a game, that's a really bad feeling. Do you remember the loss at the close like games that you lost more or the close wins? Cause I remember the losses more. They, the losses. they still stick with me. The losses will stay with you forever. Just For cause you're so close. Ever. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a weird relationship we have with this game, but whatever. <laughs> I'm here for it. That's going to do it for this edition of the Gold Diggers podcast. Again, please rate, review, follow the Niners Nation podcast network. If you got some time today, I had the chance to sit down with Lee Steinberg, who is the agent for Patrick Mahomes, one of the most famous agents in the game right now. I asked him all about the Jimmy Garoppolo situation, what an agent does, what he thinks is going to happen, what kind of guy is Don Yee, who's Garoppolo's agent. So if you have a few minutes, Go to the Niners Nation YouTube page. Check that out as well. Michelle, I hope you have a fantastic weekend. What's your big plan this weekend? Um, It's Kate's aunt's birthday, so we'll be celebrating her birthday on Saturday, but they're fun to hang out with, so we'll have a good time, have some drinks with the family, and, you know, live up in this. It's really sunny and nice weather in Houston right now, so it'll just be a chill, relaxed weekend. Did you just go drinks on me? Have a few drinks. drinks? Have a few drinks. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, I hope I get a drunk text from you. That's all I'm saying. Oh, you, you get those DMs sometimes on Twitter of me just ranting about I something love I'm those. upset about. <laughs> I'll, make sure, I'll make sure to send some over to you. Yeah. All right, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, y'all.